Hello and welcome to this Clifford Chance podcast in relation to the EU pilot regime. For those who don't know me, I'm Alex Tollest. I'm a counsel in our global financial markets practice and I specialise in the crossover between capital markets and fintech. I will be your host today. I'm joined by Elise Susi, an associate director at AFMI. Hi everyone, thanks so much for having me today, Alex. Yes, at Association for Financial Markets in Europe, I cover all things DLT as well as data strategy. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here today. Stefan Blamus, Secretary General at Secretary General Forge. Hello to everyone. Very nice to be with you all. SG Forge is a regulated subsidiary of Societe Generale Group dedicated to tokenization projects and I work mainly on regulatory public affairs and ecosystem involvement as SG Forge. Thank you, Stefan. And Lawrence Arnold, who's the Chief Innovation Officer at AXA Investment Managers. Hello, everyone. I'm Lawrence Arnold. I'm looking after innovation for AXA Investment Managers, the investment company of the AXA Insurance Group. And I'm more focused on blockchain topics and very interested in the EU pilot regime. Thanks, everyone. So today we're going to be looking at three things. Firstly, the context of the EU pilot regime. Secondly, we're going to bring our analysis of the final text. And finally, we'll finish with a look forward of what's coming next. Before we do so, I think it's important to go back to basics and to explain what the EU pilot regime is all about. Innovation is in the very fabric of financial markets. The history of the industry is littered with examples of innovations which might have been controversial at the time, but ultimately allowed giant strides to be made. One can think about the invention of the checkbook or the use of telephones in bond trading. These are examples of fintech, the use of technology in finance. One of the main focuses of innovation in recent years has been the use of distributed ledger technology, also known as DLT, which is quite simply a revolutionary way of storing data. Distributed ledgers can be used to record transactions, assets or agreements, anything really that needs to be recorded and verified, and they're stored across multiple computers known as nodes, which means there's no single point of failure. Distributed ledgers are secure, transparent and immutable, and their potential in the financial markets context has long been recognised by the European Union. The EU pilot regime forms part of a drive from the EU to take the lead from the front in terms of the use of DLT and digitisation in the financial markets. Since 2018, there have been a number of high-profile issuances of digital securities, and digital securities are digital representations of traditional financial instruments that are issued, held and transferred using DLT. But the EU has been very conscious that the legislative framework in Europe was not designed with DLT in mind. Under the EU pilot regime, applicants will be able to apply to temporarily disapply certain European financial legislation which has been deemed incompatible with the use of DLT. The hope is that they'll be able to then provide issuance and post-issuance services, including trading and settlement, through DLT-based market infrastructures. So perhaps just one example of what might be disapplied, there's a rule under the CSDR that listed securities have to be cleared through CSDs. This rule effectively means that all digital securities issuances thus far have had to be unlisted and traded over the counter, thus lacking liquidity. So Elise, that's enough for me. To get started on the first section, the context, would you mind talking us through the European policy context in which the EU pilot regime has been introduced? Yes, uh, happy to, Alex. So I think to just uh, take a step back for a second, the DLT pilot regime was one of several proposals that came out of the EU's digital finance package. 
So that package and the wide-ranging proposals were first published a couple years ago in September 2020. And these took a really important step, I think, towards achieving the four stated priorities for EU's digital finance strategy. So those are removing fragmentation in the digital single market, adapting the EU regulatory framework to facilitate digital innovation, promoting data-driven financial services industry, and addressing the challenges and risks with digital transformation, and that can also include, I think, enhancing digital operational resilience of the financial system. So the package itself, it was twofold. And I think these are probably, for, for everyone in financial services, these are two things that we've been talking about quite a lot lately. So first, we had the Digital Operational Resilience Act, more commonly referred to as DORA. It aimed to harmonize rules on digital operational resilience by improving efficiency, coordination, and consistency of information and communications technology risk management across Europe. Then, the other half was the Markets in Crypto Assets proposal, Mika. That aspired to create a harmonized EU framework for crypto assets, which is a really important step to provide regulatory certainty for market participants and ensure a level playing field. So the proposal for the DLT pilot regime was a part of this package. And as you said, Alex, the regime itself aims to provide industry a controlled environment to develop and disapply legislation while trialing DLT-based financial infrastructure as a step to a fully scaled solution. So now, after months of work by EU institutions and further consultations by both the European Securities and Markets Authorities, operators of DLT market infrastructures can finally begin on the 23rd of March 2023 to experiment with the use of DLT in issuance and post-trade processes, disapplying those regulatory constraints you mentioned for a three-year period. Thanks, Susan. And Stefan, perhaps to play devil's advocate, but why is the EU pilot regime really necessary when we've already seen digital securities issuances done in recent years by the likes of Societe Generale and the EIB? Yes, thank you very much for these questions. Since 2018, some EU national regimes, for example, France, Luxembourg and Germany, have allowed the issuance of unlisted securities on DLT blockchain instead of a traditional book entry account. This groundbreaking regulatory evolution at national level and notably under French law has allowed us to realize to this day four security issuance, security tokens issuance at first at intergroup level and then for the inaugural EIB digital bonds in 2021. We even had the possibility to obtain the registration of some of our DLT-based bonds on the Luxembourg Stock Exchange official list but nothing so far at EU level, which provides the legal certainty at risk for EU-based projects. And what will foster the EU DLT pilot regime is more liquidity on blockchain-based securities. As so far, as I, as I said, it was limited to OTC transactions outside of trading venues for regulatory reasons. It will also enhance legal certainty at EU-wide level for the issuance and trading, and also for the regulatory framework for the regulated services on trading and post-trading activities. And finally, it will allow some uh, very interesting uh, cross-border experiments on tokenized securities. Thank you, Stefan. And Lawrence, perhaps to bring you in for the investor perspective, to what extent are investors following developments in these areas? And how does the EU pilot regime fit into any overall trends that you're seeing? 
Thanks, Alex, for that question. I think the overall trend is really clearly tokenization, and it really comes from the push we have seen on the crypto market and the DeFi space, but now it comes to financial securities, and there are a lot of benefits which can come out of such usage of technology. So for asset managers, for example, the ecosystem around us is very complex, and we have a lot of intermediaries, so it can really bring efficiency into our ecosystem. and. Using DLT, for example, can take out some burdens like reconciliation of many, many data silos, and it brings basically down the layers and it takes out some middlemen. So obviously very important to us and at AXA Investment Managers, we have a test and learn approach. So we try to do some experimentation within normal market conditions. So far, it's quite difficult to have normal market conditions, but we tried to experiment investing in security tokens last year, and we actually worked with Forge and Societe Générale on that to be able to invest in the issuance done by the European Investment Bank for a two years bond. And this was actually very interesting because from an operational perspective, it was actually quite complex and a nightmare to stop actually the automated processes. But it was interesting from a test and learn approach, from a regulatory approach, to start with an investment in such token with a regulated portfolio. So the EU pilot regime will bring us more clarity and, as it was said before, a framework which is more I would say, standardized throughout Europe, which is not the case so far. And we'll be able to invest in different assets and listed assets, but we'll also be able to look at fund tokenization, for example. So creating funds directly on DLT, which is quite interesting from an asset management perspective. So using this pilot regime will help the ecosystem to see the risks or the limits of such use of technology. And the ultimate goal for us as an investment manager is to protect our clients. So we also need to see who's responsible for what in all this new ecosystem using a technology which is actually able to show the truth. Thank you, Francis. Very clear and very interesting. So to come to our second part of the podcast, the analysis, I think the key overall question is, does the EU pilot regime go far enough? Elise, what was AFME's reaction to the EU pilot regime? So AFME followed with quite keen interest the whole legislative process and the developments around the DLT pilot regime, as well as the digital finance package in general since its publication. AFME representing our members and a broad array of European and global participants in wholesale financial markets welcome the proposal because I think as Stefan and Laurence highlighted, it's an important opportunity to develop the secondary market for financial instruments issued on DLT. We believe that DLT provides an opportunity to transform the financial markets and also to improve infrastructure efficiencies. In AFME's view, the digitalization of capital markets does represent a transformation comparable, if not greater in scale and significance, to the shift from physical to dematerialized securities. More recently, as part of the work conducted by ESMA on the implementation of the pilot regime, our members welcomed the pilot regime and ESMA's call for evidence, which mentioned earlier as well, in determining amendments and clarifications to make MIFR transparency and reporting regimes workable under the pilot regime. So overall, I think we really applaud the intention of the DLT pilot regime, and it's positive that regulators are thinking really deeply about how to foster that innovation and experimentation that, as you mentioned at the very beginning, it is part of the fabric of financial services. However, 
I will say, I think there are certain challenges with the DLT pilot regime, which could limit its effectiveness. To our view, one challenge might be the divergence and inconsistency across the EU for regulatory treatment of digital securities and their legal status under local securities laws. So, for instance, in a number of EU member states, there are local regulatory regimes capturing digital securities, and each of those is different in approach and not necessarily harmonized. So certain securities laws could also restrict the ability to issue securities in digital form. So, for example, the obligation to use a CSD to settle transactions in transferable securities that are traded on a regulated trading venue. I would also say that there are limitations on the financial instruments within the scope of the pilot regime based on both issuance size and the market capitalization of the issuer. Our members considered that the market value cap creates a cliff edge, which could make it difficult for a DLT FMI to achieve scale. But Stefan, I know you were really involved in responding to the DLT pilot regime as well. Do you want to add to this at all? Thank you very much, Elise. It is clear from our side for Social Forge that we will clearly participate to this EU pilot regime. And this regime is really a groundbreaking reform at EU level, much more than a simple sandbox. There have been in the last moments of debate on the EU pilot regime, there have been a really clear effort from the EU institution to provide technological neutrality and notably the allowance potentially of permissionless DLT. So to have a permission used of permissionless DLT by market participants. They have also some efforts with regard to the threshold and the systemic impact of the DL2, the EU DLT pilot regime. But as highlighted by Elise, there are still announced on the pilot regime, notably the question of the relationship with the various EU local regulators. So even though there is in theory passporting of the EU pilot regime authorization, it will be necessary for each jurisdiction to have a potentially ad hoc discussion with local regulators. So therefore, the, there is the issue of having various parallel discussions and the need for common interpretation of delivery versus payment, of post-trade, custody, trade, securities laws requirements. And so there will be also the issue about the regulation and the, the settlement assets, so the assets which will set up the transaction on TLT, whatever it is, the regulation of commercial bank money, of e-money token and else. So there are still unknowns, but for us, it is a clear step forward on a technological level at EU level. Thank you, Stefan. And do you agree with AFME about the thresholds or do you have a different view? I think what is key is to understand that there are two main kind of thresholds within the DU DLT pilot regime. There are the threshold per projects. So what kind of issuance you could provide within a DLT, whatever it is related to the size of the issuer or the size of the issuance that was provided for bonds, equities, and fund units. And the second type of threshold is the threshold per DLT market infrastructure. So the allowance per actor to register a certain size of DLT-based instruments onto the DLT. On the first layer, which is the threshold per, per project, there was a real effort to have a substantial number for bonds. But for example, for equities, the threshold at 500 million per issuer limits substantially the possibility for big EU institutions to provide such experiments on equities. So on bonds, it's perfect. On equities, it is a clear middle ground that has been found between EU countries, but somehow frustrating. But overall, what is reassuring is that there would be for sure evolution of threshold in the future. EU institutions did want to have the experiments and then I think potentially make the evolution of the threshold. So as time goes by, I think this threshold will be adapted to the use cases.
Thank you, Stefan. And Lawrence, perhaps to take a step back, what else do you think is needed to really stimulate interest from investors in digital securities? I think first, uh, before investors, you need issuers. So we hopefully will have some issuers issuing their financial securities on DLT. And for now, that's, I think, the biggest challenge to make it actually really start. And then obviously for us, it's not only about registering financial securities, but it's also about moving cash and being able to do a delivery versus payment on blockchain technology. And therefore, we would need somehow cash on chain. And obviously, there is a work which is being done by central banks on CBDC, so central bank digital currencies, but it will not happen for March 2023. So what is the solution regarding cash to be able to make the most of the pilot regime? Because otherwise, what's going to happen for investors, for example, is that we will experiment once, twice financial assets, investment or fund tokenization. But then if we cannot get the most of the technology, meaning the DVP on chain, then it will limit the interest and will get actually no efficiency out of it. So it's good to have a pilot regime. And I cannot agree more with my colleagues uh, there on this podcast to say that it's really important. But we also need the means to be able to get somehow an interest in doing that and potentially further on also some return on investment and cost efficiencies maybe in the end. So I would add to all of that also standardization and interoperability, which is key to be able to visualize a portfolio with several different tokens which have been issued on different blockchains for example like private or public blockchains etc and obviously what we need from the regulator as well is uh, somehow comfort that after the pilot regime so after the three years of testing in a sandbox there will be something concrete resulting in regulation, for example, because if we invest in the technology, if we develop systems, if we develop APIs or whatever, then it will cost money and we need the comfort that it will go further afterwards and continue because otherwise there will be no creation of potentially new actors in this innovative space. Thank you, Lawrence. So I think the message is pretty clear that you're unanimous that this is a good step forward, but it's not necessarily enough. And there's, there's work to be done on the ecosystem to really create and put forward this market for digital securities. I thought it'd be interesting to talk a bit about the UK FMI sandbox, which has been dubbed the UK equivalent of the EU pilot regime. Now, Elise, I know that you've been following developments on this subject, so perhaps you might just give us a quick explanation of what's being done. Very happy to. And yeah, I would point out, you know, they're not exactly the same. And the UK FMI sandbox is still developing. And the secondary legislative proposals following on from the Financial Services and Markets Bill are expected in Q2 2023. That will then be followed by a consultation period with the aim of operalization later in 2023. But I do think the UK FMI sandbox has the potential to be much broader. And AFMI believes it'd be really beneficial to consider sandbox participation beyond MTFs and CSDs. So, for example, capital markets firms who could provide some of the services of MTFs and CSDs within the sandbox. And I think in our conversations with UK authorities, they've stated that they're really committed to an outcomes-based approach, which is welcome and I think ties to the point that you were saying earlier, Lawrence, about you know what happens after these regimes. And AFMI would really just continue to encourage flexibility, allowing more diverse instruments, and that the potential broadening of the application requirements could then encourage wider participation in the sandbox, which would really benefit that innovation across the whole industry. 
Thanks, Eddie. So that brings us neatly onto the final section about what comes next. So as we've discussed, the pilot regime will be live from the 23rd of March of next year. It will last three years. And at the end of this three-year period, there'll be a report provided by ESMA to the European Commission with its assessment of the success of the initiative. The European Commission will have a number of options, including extending the pilot regime for under three years, opening it up to other kinds of financial instruments, making the EU pilot regime effectively permanent by modifying existing European legislation such as MEFID and the CSDR, or we decided to terminate the EU pilot regime and move on to other things. So, Elise, Stefan, Lawrence, perhaps just to finish up, can you give me your view of what you think the outcome of the EU pilot regime will be and where you think generally that we're heading with regards to the digital assets industry? Thanks, Alex. And I think I would just, you know, step back and go even broader and think that overall, the success of the digital assets integration into traditional finance will depend on how successfully regulation can be implemented across different challenges. And we really encourage the principle of same risk, same activity, same regulatory outcomes. So, for example, when thinking about competition and prudential conservative risk management, those practices are really welcome. But I think that it's important for the traditional finance industry industry to be able to leverage existing risk management processes as well to manage their innovation. And I think infrastructure add-ons or overly conservative approach to safety and soundness could lead to market distortions as essentially that would be a tax on innovation. I think overall I would end on saying that a robust digital economy will thrive within an appropriate regulatory perimeter and I think that echoes what Lawrence was saying earlier as well. Yeah, from my side I think in the event of a success of the EU DLT pilot regime and success will mean at least some industrial projects on the basis of this regime and notably by systemic financial institution. Its main impact will be the definition of a clear time frame for more regulatory evolution. So I I think the most likely scenario would be an extension of the DLT pilot regime. And if there is serious projects on the basis of the pilot regime, there could be even more potential evolution of the post-market regulatory framework at EU level. One of the main impact will be also about the issue uh, raised before by Laurent. So cash on DLT is a key issue. And in parallel to the DLT pilot regime, I think there will be potentially some key evolution on the wholesale digital euro assessment within the euro system and potential evolution from the ECB position. At first, that was focused entirely on retail CBDC and which will be more and more also interested about wholesale CBDC use cases. And maybe a final word, I think the DUD DLT pilot regime will have also a direct consequence outside of the EU. So we see the potential impact on UK sandboxes and the regulatory framework. But I see what will be really interesting is to check the impact potentially in the US. And it will be really important to experiment similar setups, conditions that one we are doing in the EU on the US markets. I couldn't agree more with Stefan and Elise. I think overall, this pilot regime will make us progress in any case. So it will potentially consolidate a bit what's happening currently with different actors having different tokenization platforms or using different technologies, etc. So it will make us all progress and understand what the technology can concretely bring, but also what the risks are and what we still need to address to be able to adopt such technologies within our financial ecosystem. So I think we'll see the first signs of standardization overall. So potentially and hopefully new players. 
But when I listen to everything which has been said, I think it's important also that it's not only about regulation. It's important to think business and not only look at regulation, but also opportunities, innovation and remain competitive because obviously we're talking about Europe, but it's also a global worldwide competition. Great. Well, that's all we have time for today. A big thank you to each of our guests, Elise, Stefan and Norris. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot. Very happy to share this session with you. Thank you. If you're interested in the EU pilot regime or the UK FMI sandbox, please reach out to us here at Clifford Chance and feel free to consult our recent client briefings, which are available on our website. You have been listening to a Clifford Chance podcast. Goodbye. The content of this podcast does not constitute legal advice and should not be relied upon as such. Specific legal advice about your specific circumstances should always be sought separately before taking any action.